0: Welcome to Horror Makes Us Happy, the podcast where we ask the question, "What is it about horror that makes us happy?" Your hosts are Steve Becker and myself, Chris Whitman, and you can find out more about us at our website, HorrorMakesUsHappy.com. Before we get started, this is the trigger warning. This is a horror podcast. We're going to be talking about horror culture, so there could be sensitive subjects such as murder, child abuse, rape, f bombs, z bombs, c bombs, d bombs, all the bombs. This is a horror podcast. We we talk about messed up things, so I have to do this disclaimer. But I'd say like ninety percent to 95% of our listeners are are probably here for exactly that reason. Mm -mm. And with that out of the way, welcome to the show. Coming up in the future, we will be interviewing author, Robert P. Atone and writer and producer Joe Prendez. But today it's a very special day for me. This is, um, I have been looking forward to this ever since we started this podcast and started coming Mm -hmm. up with a list of people to interview because I am a huge fan of the woman trilogy now. Thank you for that. Our guest. and, uh, today. We have with us Pollyanna McIntosh, best known for The Woman, Darwin. and you might have seen her on The Walking Dead. Welcome mm-hmm. to the show. It is an honor.
1: Oh, thanks so much. Pleasure <laughs> to be here. How lovely. Yes.
0: And one more honorable mention, if I may. Uh, also, probably even though I'm a huge fan of The Woman Trilogy, uh, my favorite film of yours has always been Let Us Pray. That is just a beautiful oh. film.
1: Oh, it's a great film. We had a great time making that. Thanks I for bet. that. Yeah. I just love our director, and I'm very close friends with Liam, who was the male lead in that. I've been spending a lot of time in Ireland lately, so I've gotten to hang out with my Irish pals a lot. It's been lovely. Nice, Yeah. Uh,
2: Before we get into the meat of the interview, do you want to let us know what you're currently working on?
1: I'm not allowed to. Oh, (laughs) Oh, NDA. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) NDA to our zoo with both the thing I'm working on and the thing I have coming out. But I can talk about, so I can't talk about the thing I'm acting in right now, but I can talk about the thing that I am in the post of, and that's called Quicksand, and it's a short film. The first time I've directed something that I didn't write, uh, written by Siobhan Callahan, an Irish actor-writer who plays the lead. I play her girlfriend in it, and it's a 20-minute short that I directed, and I'm excited for everyone to see it. It's about a committed lesbian couple who, one of them is... Uh, has finally got pregnant through IVF mm-hmm. and she doesn't know that her partner is a sex addict and keeping that on the oh. DM and it causes some interesting complications. I'm sure. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh,
2: I don't remember what we did or did not discuss uh, in our emails back and forth, but the theme of our podcast is less about your body of work and more about you as a a horror fan. And Mm. we talk uh, about your experiences with the genre from childhood through adult years, uh, and then some wrap up questions at the end that maybe cover your entire life.
1: Wow. I'm glad we have this time. (laughs)
2: <laughs> uh, it's not meant to be a therapy session, though. So if there's any questions that you don't want to answer, just you know, say pass, and we'll move on. Oh, but starting nice with character. um, starting with childhood. What are some of your earliest memories of scary things?
1: Oh, so many scary things! I was. It's lovely <laughs> to be able to go down the road thinking about this stuff. And um, my first movie at the cinema was Ghostbusters. Okay, okay, which you know is a comedy horror, but. I was really shit scared of the woman in the library. Mm-hmm. She scared the shit out of me. Even just looking at the ghost <laughs> library was scary, really scary to me. I was supposed to be going to see, I think I was, I was supposed to be going to see 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> Bit of a twist there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But it was like, it was all sold out. So we got to go and see Ghostbusters, which is a really unusual because my parents were quite, well, my mother certainly was quite strict about watching scary things or, you know, things that we weren't, Weren't age appropriate, mm-hmm. sex and stuff. Um, we weren't allowed to do any of that, but somehow managed to see Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom around the same age. Mm-hmm. Love that. Oh, I mean, there's no yeah. sex in that
0: that I can think of. Not, mm-hmm. not the there's, of uh, there's. I mean, they eat monkey brains. There's some graphicness uh, in there.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm remembering from Temple of Doom and the horror world is like the sheep eye soup, the mm-hmm. chilled monkey, oh, chilled yeah. monkey brains, the baby snakes coming out of the big snake on the table. Yep. And the guy plunging his hand in with his nails and pulling out the guy's heart. Doesn't that happen yes. in that film?
0: It does, uh, yeah. What was it called? Calibar. Yes,
1: Calibar, yeah. The tortury <laughs> shit going on was really scary. And now I come to think of it, I did that in The Woman, essentially, to Cleve. Hmm. I would have to ask Lucky now if he got that from Indiana, or if he's even aware that he got that from Indiana Jones, or if Indiana Jones got it from the same source that he did. I like to think Indiana Jones copied you guys. We <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely went back in time and uh, forward in time. And the other film I was thinking of that I saw at the age of six that was really terrifying. And I was sat with my sister. I remember distinctly that she was she was knitting and she was using this huge carving knife to cut her wool. And my mum was upstairs. So we were both doing things that we probably wouldn't have been allowed to do if parents were around. For sure wouldn't be allowed to do And watching The Omen, such a great film, it is impacted me hugely. And him pushing his mother over the the balcony of the stair—you know, the the that amazing um, moment where he's riding his little his trike in the Omen. So it has been a while since I've seen The Omen. Shining, where in The Shining Mm -hmm. he has the trike, but I. It's a i think in
0: the omen it was more of like a traditional metal trike like it wasn't the big wheel plastic kind but i do believe he was riding a tricycle he yeah right there
1: yeah and um just everything in the omen there's dad finding the 666 under his hair mm-hmm. the bed and the dogs at the grave
0: was the first Ooh! omen the one where the guy got his head cut off by a sheet of glass was it that one
1: I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think that is the first one.
0: That's that's a good movie to watch at six years old.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it taught me a lot. <laughs> it's like, well, now I know how to kill everyone, should I need to? Um, <laughs> and my sister's knife somehow got in my hands and I was like fiddling with my jeans. You know, when you've got like a little tear in your jeans and I was just fiddling with it with my fingers because I was nervous watching it. And I was mm-hmm. also, I started using the knife to do the same thing. And I was running it across my knee, <laughs> and when the priest got that spike through his heart, mm-hmm. do you remember that off the top of the church? Yeah, yeah. I just shoo, with my knife across my knee, and it actually oh. cut. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and up to my mom, and I said, "Mom, mom, mom," and I'd realised as she was saying what happened i realized oh shit i can't tell her that
3: All <laughs> right. like
0: we have a we have a christmas story scenario here no no i, I didn't shoot my eye out it was a exactly, uh, totally christmas story Icicle. <laughs>
1: Oops. So he said did you did you run into the side of the cabinet and i said yes yes yes, yes, yes i did
0: that is exactly what happens
1: <laughs> how did you know how did know you? <laughs> Just so smart. You've smarted me again. Um, and, uh, and then I couldn't resist, though, as I walked out of the bedroom, I was fine. It wasn't a big car, it was fine. As I walked out of my mom's bedroom, I was like, oh, by the way, I don't think Tilly should have that really big knife to car name. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I am not proud of that. But I remember <laughs> <laughs> I have to be honest. That's exactly what I did. And then of course the whole deck of has of cars just came down, you know. Oh, did oh. she figure it out after that? Uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then you
2: got what was coming to you.
1: <laughs>
0: All is fair and simple rivalry. Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. Um, and another one that I was thinking from when we, we lived in, we, we lived in South America and Colombia at that time when I watched hmm. Ghostbusters, the movies, and when I watched um, The Omen. But before that, we lived in Portugal and there was this like golf club, country club, whatever, that my parents would go to at the weekend it was like, I don't know, it was a sports club. It was the Oporto British club. That's what it was. So I guess they could hang out with other British people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we would go and play in the pool and whatnot. And there was a room that you could go into, to watch a film with all the other kids and E T was one of the earliest ones, which mm-hmm. I think that was mm-hmm. possibly the first movie that I ever saw. Oh. And that blew my tiny mind. And so the connects. horror element of that is of course that, you know, the the guys, the government guys, coming mm-hmm. in and taking absolutely his terrifying, yeah, absolutely terrifying. And even ET himself, early on, was a little bit scary, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. And then the film that I definitely wasn't allowed to watch in that room because mm-hmm. my mum knew how sensitive I was. Was Watership Down, mm. and so I yeah. was not allowed to see that. So I snuck outside. <laughs> <laughs> he was three years old. And I watched it through the window.
0: <laughs> oh, even better. Just, you know, no uh, words for context. Just all the slaughter I, and horribleness. <laughs>
1: cried my Tiny eyes out.
0: I bet. Yeah. I've watched it. I'd never heard of it as a child. Luckily I see, I, I saw some things like a uh, secret of Nim and. Oh yeah. Uh, I think plague dogs as a young child, but I'd never seen Watership down until I was an adult and watching that, I thought I am glad I didn't see this as a child. Great this would have been traumatizing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Even at four, I thought to myself, they knew what they were talking about. I shouldn't mm-hmm. have watched that film. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but did you learn uh, your lesson? <laughs> I guess not. Exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're here. I noticed a bit of a trend in those first three movies, though. They're all like, hmm. they, they're seemingly child, uh, um, four children movies, for lack of a better term. But they have scary elements to them, like Ghostbusters. It's a a family fun movie. I think it was even PG, maybe PG-13. But just the overall tone, the score, the way the the lighting, the way that they portrayed that woman in the library, it was scary. So they kind of, it's like a carrot and stick, you know, or bait and switch. Mm. Bring you into a family movie. And then, by the way, we're going to scare the piss out of you.
1: Mm. Yeah. And also the super... The exciting and scariness of Sigourney Weaver, when she mm-hmm. turns, mm. oh, yeah. is really intense as well. I remember admiring her immensely, thinking yeah. how cool she was. She was great in that. She was pretty damn sexy, too.
2: Mm-hmm. You know? She was.
1: Like, oh, there is no Dana. That's what ladies can be like.
2: <laughs> oh. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um. So let me think here for a second. Ghostbusters...
1: Library Lady. Yeah. What was the, the other one? Water, Watership Down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we're talking about The Omen as well, which is about a bad kid, but ain't so kid-friendly.
2: Right. Yeah. The reason that I was thinking about these is some of the people that we've talked to, there's like a divide, dividing line or defining line where prior to a particular moment in life, they were – afraid of horror and then after mm. that they enjoyed it but mm. it sounds like at least for the ones that you've been describing that it was a mixture of enjoyment and well, I mean like for example Ghostbusters that's an easy one because they do mix the the horror with humor yeah not quite as much uh, Indiana Jones or The Omen uh or ET Indiana that Jones matter.
3: that was the
0: other one that was that's another one that's kind of advertises a family film and then yeah. a man rips a,
2: another man's heart out of his chest yeah as one does Halloween. Did you participate in Halloween as a child?
1: I definitely dressed up a lot as a witch as a child. Mm -hmm. And I remember another fancy dress party. This is under the age of, I'm talking like, I'm talking like, again, like six, seven. And I would dress up with this big orange skirt and this, one of those pullover masks that goes right over your head. You know, so Mm -hmm. it has the hair on the back and the mask on the front. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was rubbery. It's really cool. And it was like a big hooked nose witch, you know, ah. face. and she had short white hair at the back. And I just would put it over my head and just stonk around in a black top and an orange skirt and be like, <laughs> and I love that. But I don't really know if that was Halloween. I don't remember. I think the first time I remember Halloween, I was probably, it was probably when my little sister I would have been taking her out, you know, so I would have been in, an, a young teen, Okay. And I would have been taking okay. her out trick or treating. Okay. Maybe. Well, it's we'll the next
0: phase. Adolescence. We'll come to that. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, it sounds like you're talking about wearing these costumes, not just on Halloween because like, like you said you would up. wear them all the time.
1: Just- yeah, pretty much any <laughs> dress I got. I would also dress up a lot as a little Native American girl, but I thought that I was kind of a cowgirl. It was from my grandmother, I think. So it was really old. And it was, had, it was like a, a suede little skirt with the tassel, with the cut-ups, you know, uh-huh. streamers, you know, and then a little waistcoat that was streamered as well. And I would take a stick and I would take my sister's Bugs Bunny toy and I would tie the bunny up on the back of the stick, like I'd hunted it and caught it. <laughs> 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 where it'd be all four, you know, four paws up kind of thing. little uh, Daniel, Daniel Booness. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. A little Daniel Booness. If I'd, if i would have been able to have one of those hats with the you know, the coyote tail That's on true. it or a raccoon tail, I just would have been in my absolute seventh heaven. <laughs> and I would stonk around the garden and just, I don't know, pretend to be a cowgirl. But I also sort of wanted to be like a Native American girl, like what I would have called at the time an Indian. You know, I was okay. waiting for my blonde hair to go dark. Mm-hmm. Just All I wanted to be when I grew up was a little Native American girl. Did you have any really scary dreams when you were a kid? Oh, tons of them. Yeah. Did you have any
2: reoccurring dreams?
1: I would sort of get, I would be screamed at a lot by a female voice that I didn't recognize. It was just a woman screaming at me all the time. It's horrible. Mm -hmm.
0: What's the Freud translation for that one, I wonder?
1: There's definitely a good deal of possibilities. There are definitely a good Mm -hmm. deal of possibilities. But it's funny, a lot of the things that used to haunt me a bit when I was young, I now relate a lot to having ADHD, like yeah. since, since diagnosis about three years ago, mm. I'm like a lot of this stuff makes sense. Now that I have sort of looked into it more, mm-hmm. I mean, every kid has nightmares, of course. Um, yeah. I can't think of a recurring one.
2: It's okay. Not every question is going to land. Yeah. Did you have anything in real life terrify you as a child?
0: Any near death experiences or just terrifying events? Mm.
1: Yes. <laughs> Given the tone of that, yes,
0: that you can also pass.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's a bit like, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I can probably go into some easy ones. I remember seeing a dead guy on the road really? in a motorcycle accident. Wow. That'll do it. On a holiday. He was just, I couldn't see his face because. Helmet. Helmet. But I knew he was dead and it was just his body and all the leather, you know, all the all the proper motorcycle gear. And I remember his feet being so still and up. Hmm. Was there anybody else? There was, um, there was a, oh, sorry, go on. No, go ahead. <laughs> this is like fucking therapy. <laughs> um, <laughs> we might be, we might be onto something here. Carry on. There was also in Colombia. there was an incident where there was a lot of gunshots going off um, at a parade. It was like a big, one of the big Catholic festivals. And we were in a friend's apartment building very high up. Um and we were watching it from very high up and then these gunshots started going off and then everyone was the streets were full of people, so they were all trying to scatter, you know, and get free of it. Like the hot dog truck was turning over and went on fire and it was really kind of scary and chaotic. Yeah. And everyone was screaming, get Gerijeros, because that was like the gorillas, you know, they thought it was like the gorillas coming in. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. It was just somebody being drunk and it was fine.
0: <laughs> oh, that's good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was fine, it didn't escalate. At least not The question I was going to ask
2: next is: Did you have anybody else in your family who was a fan of horror?
1: That's a really good question. I don't, I don't know really, um, because it wasn't. I, I mean, you know what? I watched, I watched Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom with my dad, but I wouldn't Mm -hmm. say he was a fan of horror. He did play the devil once, though. (laughs) He was in play, or before I came along, and he was in an Elizabeth Taylor. Richard Burton starring film with him as the next in line on the cast list nice. um, of Dr. Faustus. But because he wasn't available for the ADR, they ended up dubbing him. Ah. And because they were doing spooky dooky effects of the devil, his face is kind of contorted. So it's, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's sort of like he's there, but he's not all there, you know? Was the name uh, of the
2: movie Dr. Faustus? Or?
1: Yeah, Dr. Faustus. Interesting. Yeah, they had performed it as a play at um, Oxford when my dad was there, and they'd come in their height of their fame and gone come to do theatre there, and um, they cast some of the Oxford uh, undergraduates mm. and uh, in the play, and then they ended up making the movie. And my dad was taken onto the film production. Nice. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so no, I wouldn't say he was a fan of horror, but yeah, it wasn't until I was like a young teen, like twelve type thing that I was around people that were into horror at all.
3: Okay.
2: So teenagers, uh, what were some of the scary books or stories or movies that uh, you remember from your teenage years?
1: The interview with the vampire comics. Mm. I was mad for them. Mm. They were amazing. And again, it's that mix of like sexual awakening and understanding of what that adult world looks, you know, like the adult world of sex that you're not in yet, you know, Mm. you know, Like why I say again because it's like Sigourney Weaver in Ghostbusters, and then the body horror and the fierceness of some of the characters, and also the trying to be a good guyness in Interview with the Vampire as well. I also really loved, you know, mm. trying to do right. And Nosferatu, seeing that for the first time mm. through my slightly older teenage friends who were into really into movies. Okay, that was. terrifying and i was trying to be cool like i could sit and watch this but it was so fucking scary (laughs) it really
0: still is it still is i know
1: what was scary to you about it the psychopathy in his eyes Mm. the absolute confidence and comfort with what he was doing the way he was watching the women and going after women you know uh, you already had that sense in the world as a young female, young person, like, mm-hmm. and <laughs> his hands, you know.
0: Yeah, and you're right about his his eyes and his face. Like, he yeah. really did just naturally have that demented, bug eyed, demented
1: there was some look.
0: Makeup
2: there, but I'm sure that helped. Yeah, yeah of course, there was makeup, but <laughs> and,
0: and, which accentuated it. But it's like uh, Marty <laughs> Feldman <laughs> with eye makeup.
1: Yeah, actually, it's not that far off. <laughs> and his hands, the way they, they could get you even when he was far from you, you were just never safe. Mm. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> and then The Shining, which I think I watched when I was 13, and I watched mm. it around at my friend Catherine's house, mm. and I was sleeping in her over in her bedroom. And so I had like a bed on the floor type situation. And I couldn't sleep the whole night after watching The Shining. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, of course not. You're on the floor. You're, you're next to where underneath the bed is. I <laughs> know.
1: But even with Cooth in the room, you know, I called her cooth Even with cooth in the room, I just was absolutely petrified. And I just, I just remember watching the lights go by from the cars outside. She, she, had, she and her mum had a flat on the main road. And watching the car lights go by. I'm thinking, I'm still not asleep. I'm still not asleep. Hmm? It's madness. It was just so scary. And again, probably those, the the Jack Nicholson's performance, just like you believe that that guy would stop at nothing and that he was looking at his family and he was ready to kill and enjoy it. That's terrifying. Plus, the bloody woman behind the shower curtain and the twins. I mean, the blood coming down the car. Just everything about it was so horrifying. And how swiftly they killed um, your man early on. Yeah. yeah. I also was really, really terrified of, um, of the witch and the wizard of Oz. And it's funny, Lucky McKee when uh, when we were doing an interview about the woman was asked about what his favorite horrors were. And he said the wizard of Oz. And I thought, oh, yeah, man, I can relate to that. Cause mm-hmm. I was terrified mm-hmm. of that, witch. just her feet sticking out from the house were enough to, you know, Right. And yet as a child,
0: you love dressing up as a witch.
1: Yeah. Maybe that was way of like taking control of my fears. Maybe, maybe, maybe I think I would, I think I would have seen the wizard of Oz after that lots of dressing up as a witch time. Mm. Yeah. But maybe there is something very sort of not, I know Freudian, but psychoanalytical in that maybe, maybe Mm. a witch did scare the hell out of me. Um, Oh, and when you were asking me if anyone else was into just I just remember that my my big sister Lucy had this book about prosthetics and monsters in horror. And I don't think she was necessarily into horror, but she had that book. I think it might have even been from like an uncle or something, and it was just left, you know. But whatever, she picked it up, so she must have been interested enough. And I found that in her room, and I couldn't even look at the cover. It was so scary. It had a pope, like white, 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 bald pope, In the red uh, cardinal, I guess in the red cardinal, sort of. No, he was a pope. The red and the white, and he was getting a he was getting his um, brain cut open. What's it called? Like they're doing craniotomy? trepanation. Not the holes. No, the, when you when they used to do it, like in Cuckoo's Nest, they do it. They cut the whole. Oh, lobotomy. Thank you, lobotomy. Hmm. He was having the start of a lobotomy, and so it was just his very very white made up skin with this line of red on the knife as someone mm-hmm. was cutting him with the lobotomy and his red robes and his white collar. And he was sort of leaning back almost like in a barber's chair, getting right. it done. And it was the most scary thing. And that theme has stuck with me. It definitely comes up in Darlin as well. What theme? Scary religious figures. Yeah. In, with in the reds and the whites. Mm-hmm. Catholicism probably. <laughs> grew up
0: organized religion in general, but yeah, also Catholicism, because yeah they, they have some very the, ominous appearances.
1: The 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 look of Catholicism is very cinematic. Mm-hmm. And it lends itself well to cinema, I should say. And I guess there were a lot of sixties, seventies horror movies using that.
2: Reds and whites uh are very highly contrasting. Mm-hmm. So there's
0: you know, and a
1: sixties for- red is a very specific red. Yes, well. it is. Right. Is
0: that uh, Argento okay. red almost.
1: Exactly. And Dario Argento is one of my absolute favorites. Mm. So all comes through. Uh,
2: so you said that you started participating in Halloween as a teen. Did you have a favorite costume?
1: Well, I, was, I wasn't like a big thing in the UK so much. I think I was more taking my little sister around trick-or-treating. So I probably would have liked to have looked a bit cooler than to dress up. Mm. And I was mm-hmm. taking her out, you know. But amongst friends, any opportunity to dress up for sure. And as I moved away from home, when I just, turned I can't remember if I was 15 or 16, I might have been turning 16 on the move. And then when I had my own place, you know, with loads of flatmates, obviously, I wasn't a rich child or anything. (laughs) Um, And then we would do, we would dress up any opportunity and do goofy things. I think I just always liked it to be different every time, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, But definitely always scary for Halloween. Never, never, not so much the American style of you can be a a firefighter or something. No, Halloween's about scary costumes. Mm. As it should be. Yeah. Did you have any really scary dreams as a teen? Yeah, I don't really remember them, but definitely. Always had nightmares. Mm Yeah.
2: Was there ever a time in your teenage years when you were, uh, Felt perfectly at peace, or blissful, or calm.
1: Many times. That's good. One yeah. that stands out. I started smoking weed at thirteen, so you know. There you go. <laughs> I can almost hear my mother's voice. Oh, Polly, why did you?
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that activity is known to provide uh, many uh, a uh, instance of calmness, and bliss, Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. And nature, I mean, just, you know, mm. I'm very lucky to live in Scotland at that age as well and get to go up oh, hills yeah. and picnic with your friends in parks and hills and and music and dancing. I mean, I, again, like I got into nightclubs at that age, you know, I was out clubbing from 13. And um, wow. again, sorry, ma. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> been I long enough. Yeah. and. And the joy of dancing. And I was also like acting already doing like plays and that then. So, and Mm -hmm. friends and, you know, certain foods, just like Mm -hmm. bliss, lots Mm -hmm. of life, great. Trying acid for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) I've never talked about it.
0: Glad to hear that was a a blissful experience that can go either way. I had
1: a a really bad acid trip too. Um, Everyone has at least one. Yeah really bad one that's
0: well everyone who's done acid obviously the people who haven't done it yes, uh, yeah. haven't had a bad trip
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it was uh the rave the rave culture for a minute really had me happy mm. and um,
2: oh i forgot yeah. yeah you guys really had it uh pretty good over there for a
3: while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I've said this numerous times. I, I sometimes wish I was 10 years younger just or 10 years older so that I could have been old enough to, to go clubbing in those days, like in the early 90s to mid 90s. Well, mm-hmm. not only that, yeah, but that was
2: not only that, but like the UK, Scotland, Ireland, Ireland. Those well, yeah.
0: Also not in America because yeah. that's, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. different experience over there. You, you guys were college league. We were high school. Yeah. <laughs>
2: We could have a long conversation on we could.
0: that. That is a whole yeah. other podcast.
2: Uh, <laughs> Back to know, the horror. Yes. Please. I had actually forgotten to ask that question for the teenage, uh, for the childhood section. Do you remember if there was a particular moment in your childhood where you were completely calm or safe or bliss?
1: Yeah. Again, it would have been with you know, my cat or my dog or out just looking at trees and... I had a, a sort of ghost moment when I was really young, that was quite quite sad, but also quite blissful at the same mm-hmm. time. Exactly. Um, so I used to like my parents weren't religious at all, uh, but my friend, my best friend, Sophia lived up the way. She was Catholic, and she would do with the rosaries and everything. So I had an understanding of p- Catholicism, and it was it was all around us, you know. I'm um, in Portugal. Um, mm-hmm. And so I used to bury my toy soldiers in the woods opposite the house, and think that it was like Jesus was going to come back. You know, if I buried mm. toy soldiers.
0: How uh, apropos on today,
1: right? <laughs> quite, quite, quite. Um, not Easter. Um, so, so I'm in the woods burying my toy soldiers, and my cat, Susie, had just died. And Susie was a one green eye, one blue eye Siamese cat. So not that common looking cat, right? And I saw a Siamese cat in the woods. And of course I thought, oh my God, it's Susie's ghost, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it had one green eye and one blue eye in my head, but I'm not sure if I could actually see its eyes, right? In my head, it was Susie as a ghost. And it went up to go up a tree. So I said to my sister, Tilly, go get a, a saucer of milk, you know, and and try and make her come down because maybe if she doesn't go up the tree, she won't go up to heaven and we can keep her, (laughs) you know? So you've got to go and get a saucer of milk and I'll keep an eye on her. So I, you know, she'd gone up the tree and I sat at the bottom of the tree praying for her to come down. So I'd close my eyes. And then when Tilly came back with the saucer and we looked up, she was gone. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: So that was my most like ghostly, exciting Mm -hmm. childhood memory, you know, But later on, when I was about 14, so this happened when I was like four four, four or five, when I was 14, we went on holiday to Portugal, my parents, and we went back to that house because my dad knew who had bought the house and who lived there. Mm -hmm. And so we went to visit the house and no word of a lie, they had a Siamese cat with one green eye, one blue eye, and they called it Susie. That is super weird.
0: They had no prior knowledge of your cat either, just no, not as far total as total happenstance. As it
1: was like, I was like asking, oh my goodness, what's its name? And they just said Susie and I just went, what the hell? <laughs> like That's really weird.
2: I wonder if there was, you know, maybe if they'd heard something or somebody had said something and they just didn't remember.
1: Maybe. I mean, who calls their cat Susie? So, you know.
2: It's
0: because yeah. life is a simulation. Everything is fake and we're all in a hologram. You know, that's what it is.
1: I think it's what Conan says, you know. Conan says, not Conan the Barbarian.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was going one way. I mean, the first I like, like, <laughs> was
1: Orion. <laughs> I heard a, a podcast interview with him once and he was talking about crossovers and coincidences and people coming back around. And he said, well, I think that life is just like a, a, a good script. You know, you can only have a certain amount of characters and a certain hmm. amount of locations and they're going to repeat themselves, you know. Hmm.
0: Yeah, that's a very I like that intelligent way of looking at it, mm. yeah.
2: The thing that I learned from, I can't remember if it was counseling or my time in the 12-step stuff, but um, a phrase that I have liked is that time is not a circle, it's a spiral. Mm. Because oh, I see.
1: Yeah.
2: you come close to places that you were mm. before, but you're not the exact same place you've you've grown you've learned things you know you know things that you didn't know before sure um, but you know seeing similar things triggers similar emotions which of course remind us of other times that we felt those emotions or saw those things you know and that's also part of the ironically enough part of the reason that we break this interview into these three sections because sometimes remembering something that you know you're talking about in one section will remind you of something that you missed from a previous section
1: yeah yeah mm-hmm. Nicely done.
2: Let's move into adult years. Uh, what were some of the scary stories, or books, or movies you remember from you know, you know now as an adult?
3: Uh, I
1: have to go back to the last section now because I'm seeing pet cemetery written <laughs> down. <laughs> <What's>, <laughs> pet cemetery. You know, it's funny oh
2: when gosh. you when you were talking about you know burying the um, the soldiers in the wood and then your cat yeah. passing away, and <laughs> that was the first thought in my head was, I wonder if
1: she's seen pet cemetery. I saw pet cemetery. <laughs> Probably when I was again like twelve. Um and I just loved it and thought it was super scary. And I I mm-hmm. I was already reading like pretty heavy literature at that age. And so I kind of thought, well, oh, Stephen King, whatever. You know <laughs>
0: <laughs> Stephen King was the vanilla to you, like ah, sure.
1: <laughs> and then I saw Fet Sandwich and I was like, Oh my god, it's so great. Mm-hmm. Um and I definitely was influenced by that. Great horror moment of the slice of the back of the foot mm. from under the bed, mm-hmm. airy biscuits, and I'm sh- I've definitely got a foot thing going on through my film making, uh, mm. and I put a lot of that down to pet cemetery. I'm probably Tarantino later, um and I'm also remembering Alien and Aliens, um, and Blade Runner, more more sci fi ish, but you know, still Aliens is. I mean, it's horror.
2: I'm curious what books you were reading that made you think that Stephen King was meh.
1: Well, I was reading a lot of feminist stuff. Ah. I was reading um, Marilyn French and I was reading um, like Catch 22 and
0: 1984. Okay. More cerebral things. Not to say Stephen King's not cerebral, but I mean, 1984 is
1: clearly more. Yeah. I was like, I just thought, you know, I just thought this was pulp, basically. Which it turns out there's nothing wrong with Pulp. Right. And, yeah. uh, and also Stephen King has much more than Pulp. Mm. Yes. Speaking of Pulp, seeing Reservoir Dogs, mm. huge, and ah. like bloody hell. you know. There
0: was a bit of red stuff in Reservoir Dogs, yes. Yeah. There was a little yeah.
1: bit. Tim Roth was red all over at one point. Mm. Um, and the ear, <laughs> ear slicing scene was horrifying. Mm. And then David Lynch movies like Blue Velvet, and the, again, I still the ear, haven't the ear seen in the, the grass. grass.
2: It's on the list. Are these? I'm sorry. Was this no. for the teen
1: section or adult section? It's, it's it. So I think Crossing before over. we were doing young, young teen, and this is like this is like old teen. thirteen, fourteen. This mm-hmm. is like fourteen, fifteen, probably okay. years old going to see these things. Okay. Um, at the cinema, and then as an adult, I think I sort of learned as far as horror quote unquote, you know, standard horror, like the horror movies that were out weren't the ones that interested me as much the ones that were out in the cinema, Mm -hmm. because they weren't as good as other indie movies I wanted to go and see in my mind, because a lot of it was American stuff. And a lot of it was, to me, too scary for me to enjoy it, or too popular for me to think it would be my jam, you know? Mm -hmm. So I didn't really get into horror as an adult until I was in horrors um, as an actor. And then I got to see great indie horror and foreign horror and, and got told about great American horrors that wouldn't have been at the cinema. in Because it was kind of popcorn stuff really in like the, the mid-90s, early 2000s, you know?
2: I'm curious uh, about your comment about things being too popular. Um- mm. What, did you, what do you have against things being too popular? <laughs>
0: well, when I was... Normies like them, bit stupid.
1: <laughs> when I was 12 years old, I fell in love with a lad who was raised in a hippie commune. Okay. This is going to get weird again. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he was raised in a hippie commune in a house on Findham Place in Scotland, in Edinburgh. And his mother had died when they lived in that house and two women, a lesbian couple from the hippie commune had taken him, Tom under their wing and had raised him after his mother died. his father wasn't around. His mother's boyfriend took his younger son, his younger brother, who <clears throat> was his kid and took him, but Tom had no one to go with. Mm. So he went with this, this couple and they became, one of them became his le- legal guardian and, and then her girlfriend also. Looked after him, um, so I spent a lot of time over in his world with him, and <clears throat> I would go on CND marches, and I was, <clears throat> I began to understand, you know, things politically and the labour movement, and you know, the iniquity, iniquities of the world, which I already knew about, having been raised in places like Colombia, where I saw a lot of, you know, begging and a lot of people who weren't being taken care of so i and again i was i would i had discovered feminism as well and you know so i just was very i was very aware of capitalism and its its clutches and its mm-hmm. its its injustices and so going to see a huge popular american studio movie didn't appeal to me mm. whether it was horror okay. or otherwise you know so even though you know i understood how cool american culture was In one sense, because, you know, it's what you grow up with, like, and then they'd made movies like E.T., for instance, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and Star Wars and, you know, Alien and Blade Runner and all these movies that I would watch with this guy and his friends. But I felt like the horror world was full of like girls being seen as just good for running away and screaming with boobs bouncing, you know, and couldn't take care of themselves. And and the excitement and the eroticism of being stabbed or being chased by a man or whatever just seemed really fucked up. And this whole sort of jocks against the world. I don't know, you know, just like,
3: I
0: uh, put it that way. You make it sound like you, you prefer, you know, quality writing and literature rather than, you know, sticking with the cookie cutter mold of slasher. That's just, yeah,
1: it's crazy. Talk. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what it was. And also I would have been, I was, I was would have been shit scared. I would not have wanted to watch like Nightmare on Elm Street and know about a guy who would get me in my dreams. Like that really terrified me. <laughs> so I never saw, you know, <laughs> Halloween. I never saw, um, yeah, I, I never saw night, any of the Nightmare on Elm Streets. So I never saw any of that stuff.
0: Yeah, The Friday wow. Thirteenth. So the, the classic slashers. Was it that you were not allowed to, or that you I would definitely avoid wasn't them, just allowed to?
1: When they would have come out, and I wouldn't have be, even been able to go to the cinema at that. When they came, they came out, they would have been just a bit, I would have been way too young when that stuff actually came out. But later on, I didn't have a hankering to like catch up on those things. Well, that's so. what I was going to say. It,
2: it, for a second there, it sounded like you're about to say that it hit a little too too close to home.
1: Um, definitely wasn't chased by anyone with a ski mask, for sure. Well, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, women in horror in those, in those kinds of slasher movies, like that, that just, nah. I did go and see Scream at the cinema when it came out, though. That would have been in the 90s, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I kind of had to, or maybe in the early 2000s, and I, I remember going to the loo either during the film or after the film and just being like, oh, I can't handle this. This is too scary. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, very, I'm actually very sensitive to a lot of it. Yeah. Okay. Like, oh, yeah, I mean, Scream torture is... And then also people being chased with a blade when you can't see the guy's face. Nah. Mm-hmm. Nah, please don't put me through that. <laughs> there's a lot of that out there. There's so much of that out there. And I just don't want to see it. I've kind of made myself watch some stuff just so that I understand the, you know, the culture of a lot of it. Like
2: Well, there being a lot of it out there isn't I'll take it. Just the fact that there's a lot of it out there, I feel like that's that's a slightly different thing than I don't know how to say this. Like to me, that's not a personal connection. Like it sounds like there's a personal connection for you. That's not just, it wouldn't have mattered if
1: there's a lot of it out there. Like one, one would have been too much. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just like, like, like me and, you know, me and my, my pals and that, like we wouldn't have thought it was cool or like thought it was interesting. You know, we wouldn't have gone and sort that stuff out. And so when I said yeah. hit a
2: little too close to home, I, I think a better way mm-hmm. to say this is something that's come up in some of our other, other interviews is that at least it seems a, a fair number of horror fans they like to to have okay, this is our fantasy, but then there's this other stuff that's a little too much like real life, and that's not fun. Yeah,
1: yeah exactly. Yeah. And 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 I I have had so many break-ins in my life as well. Like I I just won't watch stuff with like. Home invasion. I won't yeah. watch stuff. I mean, you know, there are there are exceptions, of course, because cer- certain movies you just are like, I have to see this movie. But yeah, you you've hit the nail on the head for me. Like if it's too realistic, if it's a serial killer, it's it's home invasions. Like movies that came out, I remember at the cinema that people would have been going to see were things like what was that one with Jennifer uh with J Lo, you know? Um so? Yes, the cell. No mm. fucking way. Arsham Singh. What?
0: No fucking way. <laughs> no fucking way was I going to see that?
1: No, 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 no. It's a good story. It's a good. It doesn't it's, matter. It's
0: visual eye candy. It is beautiful.
1: Well, then maybe I should see it now. But like, but this yeah. is me talking about things that were too scary and too real.
0: Yeah, there, there How is some is creepy kidnapping fall. aspect to it. No. You know what? If you want to see a good film by the same artist who again makes visually stunning movies, mm. uh, The Fall is another I movie love by The Fall. Yes. I'm crazy
1: about the fall. Same guy did the cell. Oh my God. That's so funny. Yes. The fall, all about the fall. That's so funny. Of course I can see the similarities. Cause I would see a trailer or I would see bits and I'd just be like, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Mm-hmm. Wow.
0: He loves that desert. The one in Africa, I think it is with the white, uh, plat- or not plateau, but basin. And it's surrounded by stark orange sand. Yes. Because I, miss- I like all of his movies and uh, videos, I think.
2: So let's go back to because it was a good tangent, but it, it was a bit of a tangent. Mm. So let's come back to if if I were to phrase the question like this mm. if you were to think of, say, three of your favorite horror movies that you appreciate now as an adult, what were what would be the first three that come off to the top of your head?
1: Rosemary's Baby is definitely my my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um the, the Exorcist I saw fairly recently for the first time.
3: Same. Was, I had not it, seen it. Right. Uh,
1: I was just so impressed.
3: I get I was, it now. enjoyed
1: it so much. I totally about. get it, yeah. And The Shining is extraordinary and brilliant. It's really hard to say three. I mean, I still hold Videodrome real high. And whatever happened to Baby Jane?
3: Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, no,
1: it's a so,
0: but we're not really on uh, fond of it. top three favorite just yet. That's later on. But uh, I think he was asking like uh, more influences in your adult life.
1: Okay. Um, Suspiria is definitely a massive influence as well. Mm-hmm. Original or reboot? Original. Both.
0: Of course, of course.
1: And Get Out. As far as adult mm. the movies, horror movies I've seen as a grown up, like Get Out, I just think is absolutely brilliant. Um, Rosemary's Baby. What did you like about that one? I think the aesthetic is massive. Um, I think the performance is super naturalistic, super hyper real. And just as we're saying, you know, we don't want, I don't want to deal with stuff that's really real, but I don't want to deal. I was going to say, thank you for with, saying it. I don't want to deal with extended torture, which was a big part of movies like Saw and stuff like that. I can't, can't mm. handle it. But I can definitely handle vampires. I guess The Lost Boys was a huge film for me too. But sorry, Rosemary's Baby. The aesthetic, the, the relationships, her, her tenacity at going forward and trying to get this thing worked out and how every turn she's brought down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like Joan of arc in a way. Mm-hmm. And the wonderful characters of, um, you know, Ruth, uh, the, the neighbors, you know, so scary. They're mm-hmm. <laughs> so scary. <laughs> What's scary about them? they pretend to be kind and they're cruel mm-hmm. you can i think i relate to to Mia Farrow's character i think probably a lot of female watching of that film you relate to sort of trying to be nice and trying to be do right and try to be safe in that way and everything she does she she's just told she's insane really you know and and then she was right <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's very satisfying because she was right. I'm just sort of working out in my head why is it satisfying though because it's so awful for her but it doesn't feel exploitative affirmation. Yeah, affirmation. affirmation. Yeah. And the the reality check of like how the husband's like oh it was kind of, you know, kind of sexy <laughs> when you were passed out, you know, in a kind of nympho kind of way and a mm necro kind of way, you know, and you're just looking at her going in her face and she's just trying to take this in. And there's just a lot of um, reality check stuff mm-hmm. in that film. What about The Exorcist? The Exorcist, again, is just, it's just this fucking cinema. It's just like every shot is just beautifully composed, but you feel very much in it, you know? Mm-hmm. You feel the family drama of it, again, like Rosemary's Baby, I suppose, but they're both family dramas. It just goes so far with, with, with Linda Blair's character, you know, it just goes so far and it's so edgy with the whole, like fucking, fucking herself with the crucifix and shit. I mean, it's just.
0: That's usually the first uh, extremity in that film in my mind goes to too. Yeah. yeah, Like I, same year I I hadn't seen it until just recently as an adult and I'd always heard it was extreme, like, yeah, whatever. And then, yeah, that's, um, (laughs) that's a scene.
1: to her but that
2: happened and she
0: says that okay let Jesus fuck you happy Easter everyone once again
2: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) yeah we didn't mention that at the start of the call but we're recording this on Easter Sunday
0: (laughs) (laughs) there have been a few poignant moments but no uh, I I think I kind of get what you're saying about uh, what the uh, effects and overall influence of the exorcist is too is because it's another thing that I've brought up a couple of times on the show is sometimes what's so influential and so entertaining and just appealing about horror is that it's well done, that the production is just a, a really good shot and tone and theme. And, um, there was another one, but I forgot. Alan Bustin, so yeah, that one. <laughs> you
1: know, in that is just, it's just phenomenal. And you really, you really feel for these people. You really, you really like them and you get under their skin, you know, and you experience it. it makes it very real, mm-hmm. which is a big... Oh, thing, yes, that was but...
0: the other thing. That uh, if, a, if a film is, is good enough or if a story is good enough and it draws you in, you become one of the characters almost, and you experience the story along with the characters mm. because yeah. Yeah, you feel like part of the group.
1: Yeah.
2: Hang on a second. Let's go back to The Exorcist. So you mentioned something about family drama that I thought was interesting. Mm. It's been a long time since I've seen parts of that movie remind me what the family drama is there
1: i think i think there's a i think there might be a second man in it or something
2: mm-hmm. well there are two priests sounds familiar a young and an old one um, yeah
1: and there are those two guys is then is there not is the mother not a single mother after and goes there's a guy that comes in or something mm-hmm. maybe maybe not i don't know i think there's a similarity though interestingly with for me sort of thinking about my own head is like she's the mother's trying to get help for her daughter right and she doesn't she's not being given the help she needs Mm -hmm. and in rosemary's baby she's trying to figure out you know for herself because she feels like she's going crazy but she also feels like she's this is really happening around her with the possession you know with the with the with the pregnancy being you know something dangerous
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And they're both being told, no, 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 everything you can't, you know, this isn't real, kind of thing.
0: Yeah. So by like a uh, familial or part of a family, I mean it's like uh, both stories are people that are kind of trying to to fix or help their family and asking others for help and being denied.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot. There's a, I guess, I guess both are also in this sort of familial home. I guess also that was why I was saying that as well. You know, it's really. Mm so much of Mia Farrow in Rosemary's baby is her in that fucking building and that I'm house. seeing some oh, connections here with Get Out as well Oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and then and then I was going to say that the the family homes where everybody's visiting with the the exorcist and I guess also that that look of like well one would be 70s one would be was the exorcist still 70s
2: I think so maybe later 70s one is earlier 70s
1: then they just cast like interesting, great actors in big movies back then. Mm-hmm. You know, people look mm-hmm. like people
2: rather than going into the potential similarities of Get Out. Let's talk about
1: Suspiria instead. What what interested you in Suspiria? The colors, the music, mm-hmm. the, the female horror again. I suppose you know she was brave and she was terrified. <laughs> you know at the same time yeah Yeah. and the witchy poo of the whole thing yeah um and i think i think there's a sort of there's an aesthetic that that probably in some of his work is is um exploitative you know the female but certainly there's there's certainly appeals to me in in that in the beauty of it as well Mm. you know have
2: you had any recurring nightmares or recurring dreams as an adult?
3: yeah yeah
2: <laughs> pass
3: wow
2: okay yeah uh anything scary in real life hasn't happened as an adult <laughs> also pass <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: gonna be a pass isn't it oh uh, let me try and think about some. so, so scary yeah you know, oh god when you think about scary i just i go to reality too much and mm. i'm like what, yeah. what? I mean, that's valid. Interesting that can be talked about. That's scary.
0: Well, we also just survived a global pandemic. There's that whole thing.
1: surviving. Yeah, that was pretty scary. Yeah. yeah. All right. Any- I think I will start shutting down with things like I just feel too close to the bone. I'm like, yeah.
3: Ugh,
2: ugh. yeah. How about the flip of it? Uh, in your adult life, has there been a time where you're completely calm or safe or bliss?
1: Yeah, lots of times. <laughs> Sex is really great. <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: I will also put a mark I'm in like that category. <laughs>
1: Amongst consulting adults, answer. yes, fucking mm. great. No complaints. Yeah, I love, I love, I love being with my dogs, who are actually reminding me that it's two o'clock. <laughs> um, I need to get them there too because four p- four p.m. is two o'clock for them. Mm. You know, being with them, being with with family and like my sister's bubs. You know, mm-hmm. that's really gorgeous. And exercise, like as a grown up, having found hmm. running, cycling, and yeah. you know, I, I was always, about to
0: say, I think they call you know, it runners high.
1: Yeah, I always loved cycling as a youngin' as well. Hmm. The wind in your hair. I think things I loved doing when I was nine years old are still things I love doing.
2: Yeah, we hadn't gotten a chance to talk too much about the animals and nature. Um, that has come up briefly two or three times. Um, yeah.
1: I suppose in relation to horror that's probably, like, that's certainly influenced my work a lot. Like, the characters I play generally have some animal side to them that I'm influenced by, you know. A lot, of, a lot of physical stuff I've done in horror, you know, has been quite animalistic.
0: I think that's probably why the woman series is one of my favorites, is uh, because I, I, all, I like that uh, feral human beings in modern society kind of stories. Like, it's always wow. been interesting to me.
1: Yeah, actually, another really bloody good horror movie that I love as an adult is um, oh god, it's gone again. <laughs> <Fuck me. laughs> hmm? Now it's gone. I don't know why the oh. came and went so far. Something
0: about frail human beings?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is about cannibals. It's um one of Chris's
0: Now comics, you're speaking my yeah. language. Let's see, see. Was it uh Raw?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No? Okay. Uh Bones and All? More recently. No. Mm-hmm. I still haven't seen that one.
1: No. Mm-hmm. Well shit, now I'm <laughs> not <trying>, like. <laughs> <laughs> really ridiculous, but um, um, it was a it was a remake of a Mexican film and it was directed by a friend of mine. And we went on to work together on Happy Money. Oh, oh, um We Are What We Are. We Are What We Are
0: Yes and That was Great. So good. I've seen both and I I prefer the reboot just because you No, know, the the original is almost more a little bit more violent and angry and the the reboot it just has from the opening scene with the with the soundtrack, it's so sad in a in a good way like like a good tall glass
1: of sad movie that's very <laughs> <Yeah. clenching. laughs> uh, and i'm thinking of the other cannibal one that's so great that lucky has suggested i watch before we were doing the woman um hmm? robert Carlyle is in it and then oh was- uh ravenous ravenous so good mm-hmm. Just watched
0: it again the other day, probably for the 90th time. I, I can't watch it enough. It's so great.
1: It's so great. And The Descent, Daniel Marshall. Mm-hmm. Fucking brilliant. Let's jump in. So the
2: the last couple questions here are more like wrap-up questions covering your entire okay. life. Uh, I'm going to give you the next two questions at the same time, because it could be the same answer for both, or it could be a different answer. But uh, if you had to pick a favorite movie it's, is one. And then the other one is, what movie have you watched more times than any other? Because it may not be the same as your favorite. Ooh, in the horror genre. Any? No, this is covering any genre.
1: Oh my god, okay, now I have to widen my head out. Okay.
0: can even be a comedy, something stupid like Weekend at Bernie's.
1: I think I've probably watched Anchorman a hell of a lot of times. Okay. Okay. But I think I've probably watched Funny Face with Audrey Hepburn and Fred Astaire even more. Mm-hmm. I've probably watched Grey Gardens, the original documentary, maybe even more than that. I'm not familiar mm-hmm. with that one. Grey Gardens, you yeah, know, no, about yeah. the... Mother and daughter who live in a broken down house in the Hamptons, Jackie Onassis's aunt and cousin. No. And it was made into a TV show, TV movie for HBO, or maybe it was a TV show, I can't remember, with them, Drew Barrymore and Jessica, uh, oh, Christ alive, ball What do you Part like of about a story that? One? <laughs> of a story who's absolutely brilliant. What do you like about that one? Uh, the madness of this pair. <laughs> one of the best character studies. I've ever watched and they're real people and they're all singing, all dancing, all dressing up like in crazy clothes. Yeah. It's the, it's the madness. Hmm. (laughs) I love the madness of this film. And it's a story you're trying to work out what the truth is of what they're saying and what's bullshit really, Hmm. Hmm. because they have different versions of how their lives have come to where they've come.
3: Hmm. Hmm.
1: Okay. Something sad, romantic, weird. Quite into those things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Favorite movie overall? Dog Day Afternoon, probably. Why? Probably still Dog Day Afternoon. Sad, romantic, weird. <laughs> there you go. The formula uh, works. Humor in reality of what it is to be human. Um, Mm -hmm. complex, extraordinary characters, the seventies, which is just gorgeous. A true story politically, like sociologically speaking. I think it's extraordinarily powerful. I'd ride the face off Al Pacino. (laughs) (laughs) Al, if you're listening (laughs)
2: loud. (laughs) Ooh. Yeah. We should get him on the show.
1: Ooh. He <laughs> mm. was the devil. Yeah. <laughs> He's been everything. Yeah. I got to see him play once. I got to see him in Salome nice. in New York. He's amazing. Do you see any common threads
2: about what kind of horror you like? Cannibalism, occult, metaphysical?
1: What are my options? Metaphysical? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you-
2: no, they were just
0: examples. Yeah, examples I'm a like-
1: big fan of a, of a vampire okay. uh, yeah. situation.
0: That tracks with the, uh, reading of interview of a vampire comics yeah. earlier.
1: Yeah. And like, I, even, you know, when Nicholas Cage did, um, is it vampires kiss?
0: Ah, yes. So fucking good. <laughs> that is just, so that movie good. is so great. There, there are so many memes as a result of this movie mm-hmm. now.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also Dracula, which again, was a cinema movie that I saw as a teen. The Bram Stoker. Bram Stoker's. Stokers? Yeah. Yeah. And Winona Ryder being just, you know, one of our heroines of that time, like me and my friends because of Heather's and pump up the volume. Yeah, and- mm-hmm. that's another good one. Yeah. yeah I did a movie with, with Winona Ryder in it that, that the writer of Heather oh, no wrote and directed. It's called Sex, no shit. Sex and Death 101. And I play a lesbian astronaut who has a threesome with my girlfriend and Simon Baker. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. I was looking at your
0: profile earlier and that kept coming up on the, you know, the, the uh, reel that IMDB pans through. And I, I recognized it, but I didn't know which movie it was mm.
2: from sex and death one Oh one. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, uh, there's still two or three questions left, but to give, we like to give sort of a summary of the topics that have been sort of coming up on the call at this point. And mm. you can, have an opportunity to correct me if you think that I'm wrong or if there's a better description of the topics that have been coming up. But the things that I've been hearing coming up multiple times, really, I I think the best summary would be feminism and power dynamics and the affirmation of courage and strength that, you know, all, all of this kind of can be summarized under the banner of feminism because you know, it, it deals with all of those things. Mm. Sex, uh, you know, is, is a big topic. Both sex and power dynamics are a big topic in, in all of the vampire movies that we've talked about. Yep. You know, Sigruni Weaver in aliens, again, power and strength and and sexuality as well.
3: Mm-hmm. The
2: relationship dynamics in Rosemary's baby and Suspiria. Um, you, you're, Words for Suspiria was brave but terrified. Yeah, and as sort of a minor, if we we're talking like college degrees, a major and a minor, the minor would be dressing up in in crazy clothes and and parties, which uh, I think kind of ties in with the affirmation part of you know affirming life.
1: Yeah, I was just thinking how much John Waters' movies were a huge thing for me growing up as well. Mm. That sort of mm-hmm. the, the, the horror and the disgustingness. <laughs> <was so embarrassing>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Boldness.
2: Yes. With sex as well. Yeah. Do you do yes. you think these are accurate uh, summary of some of the things that you get out of horror, or do you think there's a better better? Disc- put
1: in a dis- I'll put in a disclaimer. No, mommy, he's got it all wrong. <laughs> 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 well, I mean, I th- no, no, I think- no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I think no, no, I think that's really smart. I think that's probably true. Well, what I was going to say is, I think
2: even your mother would probably understand that, it, even as her own, you know, adulthood. That these are things that all people deal with, um, not just women. Yeah. It's just that that maybe is part of the lens that you're viewing it through at this particular moment. And the follow up question to that is usually, do you have any idea why those things are important to you? Mm. I think that possibly has been touched on indirectly in in the questions that didn't get answered. So the the next question would be why horror? Because couldn't you address some of these kinds of topics in other genres?
1: Yeah. And I think I did. I think I do in my watching as well Mm. and in my filmmaking as well. Mm -hmm. The first opportunity to make a feature that I was offered was To direct a sequel to *The Woman*, and I said, "Well, can I have a bang at writing it?" And I think what I did with what I wrote, what I made, was explore those themes through through horror in that film. You know, I think with you saying, you know, making that quite succinct and smart um, summation of what in horror has appealed to me the most, I think that's the same thing I did with *Darling*. It's about sex and power dynamics. Mm. You know, and it being is. a young woman who is being seen, who's being sexualized before she's ready for it. Mm-hmm. And I won't give away spoilers because, you know, I hope that people will watch Darlin for the first time, some of them after hearing this. Mm-hmm. But there is a moment in the opening of that film when the character of Darling, young teenage girl, steps on a very phallic mushroom. It's called a stinkhorn mushroom and it grows like a penis. And it actually grows out of what looks like two little balls. It's the weirdest thing. <laughs> and I remember one of the producers during the edit, me and Julie, um, Garces were editing and they said, <laughs> said, do we really need this thing? This is the only like, um, sort of magical moment in the film or whatever. Or do we really need this? What's, they didn't you know? see the symbolism? No, is What's this about? Yeah. And I, when I explained what it was about, to be fair, they went, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know, when you're like, for me, it was like 12, 13. And for other people, it might be another age. But like, for me, the age where things started growing on my body, that was, was s- for other people, symbolized sexuality. I felt that that sexuality was being foisted upon me by adults out and about in the world. And I just wanted to, to grow and experience it first for myself. Do you know what I mean? To mm-hmm. To not... For as you know, a young woman to not really be allowed to be comfortable in your own body because you've got tits and an ass that, like, are, are being objectified outside of your experience of them, you know.
2: Isn't it interesting the spectrum, the, the breadth of differences that women across the world have in terms of their relationships at all ages of life that are really influenced? at a fairly early age, just simply based on whether or not they are ready for that conversation. Yeah. And it's interesting how, and I really, I mean, really that what it boils down to is consent mm-hmm. that having or not having consent completely changes the dynamic of a situation that can then I mean, affect yeah. you for the rest of your life. It's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But part, but what I'm getting at is part of the consent equation is whether the person is ready for it.
1: Yeah. I think there's still, still even in this time where we're doing, we're trying to make real steps forward. Some of us are. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: I still think it's a more common experience for young male identifying people to feel that they can do what they want. And for female identifying people to feel that they might be told what they want rather than looking for it inside of themselves. Yeah. And one of the great things about more diversity in voices in cinema and horror as well, though I think that a lot of male horror filmmakers are great at this too, I think in many many ways it's an outsider's genre, is that what is inside of us as female identifying people is perhaps not always as palatable. (laughs) We're aware of that too, Um, but it, it, it should be expressed as as anyone else you know it should be have as much opportunity to be considered a norm as the male mm. What's inside yeah. of the male you know sense mm. themselves it's pretty basic shit but you know what i'm saying right yeah
2: let's go back to the co- the question of why horror oh uh, yeah do you, is there a reason that you prefer this genre to tell your stories rather than
1: i think that was where i was also trying to go with darling. is that is that I don't think I, and I hope this isn't a terrible disappointment, but I don't think genre is my that horror is my preferred genre to tell really? stories in. No, I think that I think that it is one of the genres that that I okay. love and appreciate. And You're ambidextrous. They're, they're not, they're not stories, but yeah, hmm. but but I think that's the reason why I was saying that was the first opportunity for a feature hmm. to to be you know asked to make a as a filmmaker. But the first film I actually made. Was a 35 minute short called Perfect, which is about a comedian, a sort of seemingly gregarious comedian who's actually a bit of a mess. Because I knew I couldn't make a film about an actress because nobody would give a shit. <laughs> so I made her a female comic. And also because I love that world. Mm. Um, and I would say that is a dark, dark comedy, you know. And then getting away from it all, of course, they're made after Darlin as part of um, Death December as part of the portmanteau. Death a, is, is a horror. But now, Quicksand that I've made since then is a drama. So I think I'll continue to use different genres to explore things I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you ask why horror can be so effective in the things that interest me in both watching and making, I think Mm -hmm. there's a pinprick in the bubble of hypocrisy that horror does so well. Where when you expose the flesh and bones and blood of what we are as human animals, you take away the hypocrisy that we should be more mannered or more robotic or more, you know what I mean? Or more like part of a system. More civil. More civil. Thank you. Yeah. 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 And I think there's something really exciting in there. And Mm. also by horror, because when you're dealing with life and death, I mean, the stakes are so damn high when you're dealing with fear. Mm. Again, the nuance involved in, Fear is something that can take you like an animal. Mm-hmm. And um, it can also teach you what is working for you and what isn't, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> What's good for you and what isn't. Um, it can allow you to stand up for yourself or or shrink, you know. Fear is a big, fascinating state to explore things from the perspective of, you know. Right. Some of the things that you've said here are things that has been
2: echoed in other or have been echoed in other interviews. Um So you're not alone in that. I like what you said about this pinprick and exposing hypocrisy. I want to use the word violent, but that's not it. Even the word violent seems greater than what I'm trying to say, but there's, there's a violation or a crossing of a boundary, I guess there. I mean, it, it, it's not a bad thing. It's just an observation. But I don't know. I, I like that phrase, "pinprick" and exposing hypocrisy.
1: The capacity, the human capacity for cruelty, is is terrifying on its own. In in you know, just as an experience of being a human, that we we the things we see, the news used to upset the hell out of me when I was young. You know, I didn't understand why animals were going extinct. I didn't understand why children were starving. You know, I I just couldn't understand how any of this could be allowed to happen. You know, and so. There is hypocrisy involved in, in so many elements of the way that we do things um, that allow all of this to go on. And so, yeah, so, so I, I say all that to say for me personally, I think you're right with the, the horror. That, that is a definite positive in, in horror um, that it can, it can kind of name and shame a bit the, the forces of, of darkness, really. Like, you know, obvious places like Romero and stuff, you know, his work but like yeah i'm agreeing with you well
2: last mm. call or last question is there anything that you've thought of that hasn't come up on the call maybe you thought of something in the conversation took a left turn and you didn't get to say it anything that you think is
1: relevant that we didn't discuss mm, no, oh, there's a great movie british movie called sightseers which is a comedy horror which uh, if people haven't seen it definitely check out you guys seen sightseers i have not that sounds familiar. They go off on a caravan holiday. People die. Mm-hmm. How is it related? <laughs> well, that- to the- uh, it's just one of the movies that I was thinking of and wrote down when I was thinking about horrors that I've loved and I didn't mention it. And oddly next to it is The Lost Daughter, which is that Olivia Colman movie on Netflix that Maggie Gillian Hall made, which isn't really a horror, but it's, it's kind of dark and horrific as well. Mm-hmm. And then, as far as mentioning things for myself, I suppose I've got two movies coming out that I made in Ireland earlier on last year. Um, one is called Double Blind, which is about a bunch of people going in for a drug experiment, and um, I, it's not a horror. It's it's a it kind of is a horror. More I don't know. It's like
0: <laughs> psychological it's, thriller, kind of.
1: It there's blood. There's there's everything. There's psychology. There's psychological horror. There's physical horror. There's there's lots in it. So I, they're probably calling it a. Uh, sci-fi because it's a drug test that hasn't happened yet Mm. but i'd say it's a horror um and i definitely play a a horror character in it okay i'm looking forward to people seeing that and then another movie called apocalypse clown which Mm. will introduce more people to natalie palomides which is a great thing she has a special on netflix called nate a one-man special and she is a woman and it is phenomenal and dark and weird Mm. but she's in apocalypse clown and um I get to play a weird character in that too. It's a comedy, but it's pretty gross. So it's fun.
2: You know, what's funny is like earlier when we were talking about different genres, uh, you know, why not different genres? And you'd said, you know, I, well, I do like other genres and there's this, these other things that I've done, but, you know, looking back through the notes that I've taken throughout the call, there are movies that, for example, Videodrome and Suspiria that, and, and others as well, but just those off the top of my head. That I don't know of anybody that I've talked to who isn't a horror fan that's seen those movies. Mm. So
1: it's weird how many people don't know about Argento or early Cronenberg stuff. I guess it's, I, it's
2: I suppose weird. people who are into like film in general, you know, yeah. might be aware of some of those things. But all I'm saying is that mm. I understand that you're saying. This is not just what I like, but mm. it does seem to be a fairly good piece of the pie. If that makes sense, yeah,
1: definitely, definitely. It was fun. It was fun noting things down in this way before this, because before this chat, because uh, I think uh, it was, it really looked very clear to me that way too. Mm. Think about your life, sort of ex- influenced by horror, is like a much more interesting way to come at things then mm-hmm. you know we're going to talk about your movies and what you've done and mm-hmm. stuff and what's coming up
0: yeah we get that mm-hmm. a lot a lot of guests are uh but it
1: really takes you into your subconscious and into your mm-hmm. into your childhood, and that's just fascinating you know and i i i, I don't take coincidences too lightly <laughs> because mm-hmm. i think you know if your your eyes and ears are open you can learn a lot from these sort of patterns that you know Repeat, as it were, that we were talking about before the time spiral and whatnot. Time being a spiral, um, I'm certainly often in a time spiral. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I went. I went over to see my friend Randy yesterday, who had just found a little kitten. She lives nearby in New Jersey. I've known her since I was seventeen. I hadn't seen her. Don't tell me it was a Siamese with two. <laughs> <dollars>. <laughs> 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 that
3: would be <laughs> so perfect.
1: Right. But um, but just by coincidence. Her husband, Malik, was watching that Shudder show about, you know, these the scariest movies and stuff. And so I was having this conversation with my dear old friend with this thing on in the background. And I kept seeing people that I know, you know, from my life in this genre. And... Mm-hmm. It felt a bit weird to keep saying, oh, and that's my friend too, you know, because it's like, yeah, whatever, you're (laughs) on the telly, you know, people on the telly, like, can we talk about that?
0: (laughs) You don't understand. It's from different times and different movies. I know that one too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But it was, you know, seeing Greg Nicotero and Ryan Turek and Alex Esso and um, Dana Gould and all these people. And it just reminded me how much horror is a huge part of my life Mm. and because, and I'm and, and seeing some clips from these phenomenal films, many of which I've avoided because like I say, I am really sensitive to scary stuff and going, I want to watch more horrors. And now I have this sort of guide, you know, um, from this experience.
2: <laughs> it's funny too, that a lot of the people that post online saying, you know, I'm a horror fan. I haven't seen anything that does it for me. Here's some movies that I liked. What would you recommend? What movies have you liked? And I'm like, I'm always like, You're asking the wrong questions. (laughs) Find out what scares you first, and then you know ask for things
1: related to that, and you know then you might find something interesting. Yeah, and I take it your twelve step stuff is from a trauma informed perspective because I think what's really coming out for me, and I don't want to ask you personal questions, not about that, but but what's what's coming up for me as well, and what you're saying it crosses over another way in in my world where I'm thinking about writing stuff about when I was younger to just really process things more and to understand Mm -hmm. myself more and to help myself more. But I I think having known a lot of people who went through AA and having gone to um, Al-Anon for a good deal of time myself, I'm really encouraged by a new perspective on addiction that I'm hearing a lot more about is this sort of, what's the story that you've, grown up with and what might be your reasons for needing to numb out mm. you know or get a lot of dopamine in your system or whatever you know
3: yeah.
1: and I, I think it's a really humane way of dealing with again not making things black and white or oh, that person's an addict this I'm not because I'm stronger than that or something you know what I mean this kind of like idea that there are people that are just fucked up and aren't doing it right. Mm. I think it's really beautiful that you're trying to understand, you're trying to help people understand horror fans, for instance, because I think you're coming at it from a really intelligent perspective and one that appeals to me is what I'm saying. Thank you.
2: I think something that I didn't really understand until I was a couple years into the journey is that through counseling and the 12-step stuff, I was learning new tools to resolve emotional turmoil that had happened earlier in my life that I didn't know how to deal with. Yeah. And I was, as I was learning the different tools of recovery, which is what the book I wrote is about. As I was learning these different tools, I was kind of, if, if you visualize sitting in front of a pile of shit, basically pile of crap that, that needed to be dealt with. And what I was doing is I would pick something up and go, okay, do I have the tools to deal with this? No. Okay. I'm going to put it in pile number two, pick the next thing up. Do I have something? Do I have the tools to deal with this? And if I did, then I do what needed to be done and I could put it into a third pile and say, okay, that's been taken care of. Mm. And what I realized at that moment was that all of my life, I had been told that I'm somebody who spends too much time overthinking and think things, Uh complicating things. And really (laughs) what was going on is I kept picking things up from the pile and going, do I have something to do? Do I have a tool to deal with this? No and putting it in the pile that into pile number 2. I never had a pile number 3 because I never had the tools that I needed to get go through the stuff. And the mm. beauty of it was is now that I do have these tools, I'm now able to resolve some of these things. And so my pile has gotten a lot smaller. Yeah, there are still a couple things that still need to be worked on either I don't have the time or less likely that I don't have the tools and more it's just I know it's a big thing that needs to be dealt with, I don't have time right now. Mm. But Some of what you were talking about, I think in what you said a minute ago is there are other people who have a different approach, which is I'm just going to ignore the pile or Mm -hmm. I might even need substances to help me ignore the pile um, or Mm -hmm. activities or what have you, you know, because there's a lot of different kinds of addictions. But I think that kind of tied in with what you said. I kind of lost my train of thought there for a moment. There were a couple of trains there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think <laughs> we got the same kind of brain, dude. Mm.
0: Have you also been reorganizing your mind palace for the last 10 years?
1: <laughs> <laughs> what is this Zen caster machine I've been plugged into? Sure, right.
3: What are you doing to me? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Nothing bad,
3: I promise. <laughs>
2: Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I mean, we can continue talking all day if you'd like. <laughs> uh, actually, we can't. About an hour from now, we have a listen party on our Discord server that uh, we'll have to jump on to, But, you know, we have still a little, a little more time. What I can do, though, is I'm going to hit stop. Actually, you know what? Let me hit the closing first and then I'll stop recording. That'd be a good idea. Yeah, do the closing actually i flubbed the closing so badly i just said screw it and i would fix it later so you're you're going to be able to tell there's a difference in the audio on this excellent post yes thank you to pollyanna again for being our guest thank you to everybody out there listening uh a special thank you to legion podcast for supporting us on patreon If you are not able to support us on Patreon, the best thing you can do is tell a friend because we are still in growth mode. Uh, There's also merch that you can purchase on the website and other things you can check out on the website as well. So check that out. Again, 4